I don't know about you, but that video gets me super pumped. Um, pa- Pastor Dave and myself, we were sitting in his office and we watched that video and, and I saw both of us kind of, kind of doing this number. If that doesn't get you excited about the gospel, if that doesn't get you excited about your faith, then, then you need to spend a little more time, um, a little more time in this building because that gets me pumped. It gets me so excited. I think as Christians, before we go out into the world, we need to replay that over and over in our heads. Because that's who we serve. That's who we get to tell the rest of the world about. And I tell you what, that is super exciting to me. I want to shout it from the hills. I want to shout it from, uh, from anybody that would listen to me. That's my king. Today we reached the, gr- the end of another great sermon series on the names of Jesus. We have actually only begun to scratch the surface of all the names of Jesus. If you look on the front of your, of your pamphlet or your flyer when you came in, it has some of the names of Jesus, a lot of the names of Jesus on there. And, and through, this, uh, through this study, we've started with Emmanuel, Christ with us. Then we moved on to the Lamb, the Lord, the Word, the Savior, the Messiah. And now we're, we're bringing it home with the King. The point of this series was to bring you into a better understanding of the God-man that we serve today. A better understanding of Jesus You can better understand his character and better understand how to follow in his footsteps. It sheds light on his character, his authority, his lordship, and as we get into today, his kingship. Before we get into uh, this sermon a little bit more, before I tell you more about my king, go with me in prayer. God, I thank you so much. I thank you so much that, that we live in a country, in a world where, where I can come and I can, I can praise your name. People might mock me in this country. They might persecute me a little bit. They might, they might not believe what I'm saying. But God, I, I have the freedom to stand up here today and tell them about you, my king. God, I just ask to you as I speak that you just take me out of this equation. You take my words out of this equation and that all that's left is you. In your word, in your name, in Jesus' name, amen. King Jesus. So I noticed as I was writing this sermon, in fact, I I kind of wrote a sermon out and and I was reading through it and I said, this is a Palm Sunday sermon. (laughs) So uh, I didn't want to ruin Pastor Andy or Pastor Dave's sermon. So I I started, yesterday I came in the office and about four or five hours I sat down and I, and I kind of changed the direction a little bit of my sermon. That way they could still give theirs on Palm Sunday. So I changed it, but our scripture reading today is still from the book of John, the 12th chapter, 12 through 16, which is Palm Sunday. It's the day that Jesus rode into Jerusalem fulfilling prophecy and essentially securing his death on a cross. Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. You know, I, I can't help but to kind of pity the Jewish people nowadays when I read the Bible. It's, it's, it's actually a huge improvement because I used to just get mad at them. I used to just get mad and so frustrated with them. And here they are walking aside with Jesus, watching him heal the blind, watching him feed lots of people with a little bit of nothing. The Old Testament, you see Moses literally parting a sea. You see God parting a sea for Moses and then walking across dry land. And then the people get on the other side and start complaining. I, look at the, I looked at them and I, I get so frustrated sometimes. But as I've aged, as I've, uh, as I've started to get older, I, I realize how easy, 
How easy it is to fall into that trap. How easy it is to start walking in their footsteps. There's so many times in my own life where I start to lose heart. I start to lose faith. Even after God has shown me miraculous sign, even after he gets me out of trials, out of tribulations in my own life, I see me acting just like an Israelite, acting just like some of the Jewish people, and and whining to God, not believing, not having the faith. So now when when I read about the Jewish people, when I read about this, I pity them. I mean, here they were on Palm Sunday. These Jews, they've been waiting for the promised Messiah, for the promised king for so long. The king of all kings who would bring peace and justice once and for all, who would, who would set them free. And though all the prophecies were being fulfilled, Jesus was walking through and checking them off. Check, 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 check. Even though they were all being fulfilled, it wasn't in the way that they thought they was going to be fulfilled. It wasn't the way that they wanted them to be fulfilled. And though they brought him into the city like a king, they killed him like a thief. But what they, wait, what they were waiting for wasn't wrong. The Jewish people had it right. They just had their timing and their order a little bit confused. You see, Jesus is coming back. Jesus is going to sit on a throne. He is the king of all kings. And Jesus is going to bring peace to all But he had to come first as a humble baby. He had to come first as a man to bridge that gap that we broke back in the Garden of Eden. You see, there was this little thing, big thing, called sin that was getting in the way of God and his people. This little thing called death that had to be defeated first. You see, our sin was separating us, us from God. No longer could we walk with God in the coolness of the day because our God's perfect. He is holy. He's set apart. God can't be around our sin. It can't be around our lust, around liars, around adulterers, around thieves, around murderers. So Jesus had to come. He had to come and build that bridge back that was broken in the beginning to build it back so that we could be with him one day. And the Jews had it right. When he comes again, he's going to be fierce. He's going to be powerful. He's going to be the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He will come in all power and splendor. Every eye shall see, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and King forever. Jesus is going to come. He's going to tear down injustice. He's going to tear down persecution. He's going to free us from the pains of this world. King Jesus. King Jesus. I don't know about you, but when I think of kings... Um, I'm, I'm immediately brought back because it's a kind of recent thing. We did a study on kings this summer, First King and Second Kings, and I start thinking about King David. I start king, thinking about King Solomon and all the wonderful, awesome things they did. But then, how messed up they were! I mean, they had a lot of problems. They had a lot of issues. I mean, just look at David, who was a man after God's own heart, and all that sin ball that occurred. He murdered somebody. And then he didn't know that it was wrong until a prophet came and said, hey, it was wrong. I think of these kings and, and God said, David was the good king. He was like the standard and he still had all of that problems. But we, we found out that all the other kings, so many of the other kings were just corrupt. They were evil. They were, some, they were just wrong. So when I think of king, I think of a dictator. I think a dictator who has the power to judge, jury, and executioner. Someone with their own agenda, who has flaws and that can be corrupted. 
Because a king has absolute power. If you brought an issue before a king in those days, he could literally judge your situation, be your jury, and then declare your verdict and execute the sentence right then and there. He didn't have to go through all these steps. He could just do it all at one time. See, in my own house, uh, we have a king. That he rose to power very fast, and uh, he has an extremely uh, high sense of justice. That's King Judah. It's my youngest son. And uh, he's often conveying these secret courts where he becomes a judge, jury, and executioner, all in one swift motion. Exhibit A. Yesterday, his cousin Calliope picked up a ball that was not hers. It was, a, it was, Ju- it was Malachi, Judah's brother. And Judah watched intently. He watched intently, and he said he immediately conducted this secret court of his. King Judah pointed out the obvious first. Calliope, that is not your ball. Now, Calliope would have been smart to just remain silent. She had that right, but she refused. She said, yes, it is. King Judah, now enraged, presented the evidence. He said, December 25th, 4.30 a.m., There was a small box under the Christmas tree with my brother Malachi's name on it. After opening two other presents, Malachi then opened a small package to reveal the contents of the container that turned out to be a small red and blue ball that lit up when you smacked it up against something. That is the ball that my brother opened, making that ball not yours, but my brother's. King Judah then found his cousin Calliope guilty on all charges, and to further prove that his, this was indeed the ball that Malachi had opened on December 25th at approximately 4.42 a.m., King Judah slammed the side of Calliope's head with that ball to prove that it indeed did light up. Thus sentencing her to a headache and a puddle of tears and screaming, I rest my case. Do you see my point, though? I thought of a king isn't always a good thought. I think sometimes it gets a little bit of negative thought in our, look in fact, look at our country. Look at our country. We fought and died to get out under, under king's control. We consider our system a better system. But then again, when we think about King Jesus, most of us have heard the stories of King Jesus. Most of us know he's going to be a perfect king, that he is a perfect king, without sin, blameless, a truly just king, a fierce and powerful king, Lord of lords. And we've heard that he will have reign and he will be powerful, he will be perfect, he will be just. And we've heard this. I think a lot of us hear this, and we've heard this most of our life, but we are so disconnected from the idea of having a king in this country that I think it's hard for us to grasp what that means to have a king. Not only that it's hard for a lot of us to grasp the idea of having a king, but I think a lot of us have trouble to make Jesus, this King Jesus, a tangible thing. I mean, we can't see him. He's not in front of us. In today's world, that's, that's what it's all about. We got to see it. We got to feel it. So making King Jesus a tangible thing, it's hard for a lot of us. A lot of us just really hope that it's all true. But whatever we think, whatever we believe, one day, no one knows when except God himself, one day Jesus as real and as tangible as anything you've ever experienced in this life will walk up He will walk on this earth in some parade, pomp and majesty. He will walk up some stairs to a mansion, these glorious stairs to a beautiful mansion. There will be flags with his insignia or his name on it. And he'll walk up to a very, very real throne 
a real throne probably encrusted with jewels and fine metals. He'll have a scepter in his hand. There will be parades, there will be music, and he'll be up there. And as soon as he sits down, as soon as he sits down, all the democracies, all the republics of this world are going to be over, and we will live in a monarchy. We will have one dictator on the throne, and his name is Jesus Christ. And every rule he wants to initiate, he will initiate his rules, not our rules, his. It won't be a government for the people, by the people. It will be a government of him, Christ the King. That's my King. And guess what? He will establish that kingdom in a very real place. It will be called the New Jerusalem. There will be a huge new kingdom that will have huge walls, tall and thick. There's going to be 12 archways, 12 foundation stones. We will get to live there. And in the center of the kingdom, there's going to be a mansion. A mansion of a very real person. A real king. The Lord of Lords. The King of Kings. Jesus. That's the guy you prayed to before you ate your bagel this morning. You see, when you start making the connection between the king that you pray to every day, sometimes nonchalantly and almost out of obligation sometimes, the king you try to obey, when you start to make the connection between that guy and the very real king that is coming back to this real earth to establish a real kingdom in a real mansion with real power, with real majesty and real authority, when you realize that these are the same guys and this real king will have absolute authority, he'll have absolute, all his rules, all his standards, all of his values will reign supreme and everyone will bow before him as he sits on his very real throne when you recognize the connection, when you recognize the the reality of that, something is going to explode in your life called faith. It's called trust. And it will be a bold and a vibrant faith, a bold and a vibrant trust because your fixated vision will be on beyond this world. It will be beyond our next president, beyond the governments of this world, beyond the peace treaties and the summits. You will be focused on the kingdom and you will say, this is my kingdom. You will be focused on the king and you will say, this is my king. And that's who I'm going to live for. And if that real king has, has given us real words, real instructions to follow in his word, I'm following my king. I'm following Jesus. See, people who understand their future will stand up in boldness and say, I don't care what you say. I don't care what the world says. This is what my king says. His rules are going to reign supreme. You need to start living them now and living them boldly. I submit to the authority of the king of kings. Now what does that mean? That doesn't mean you start living loud, disrespectful, belligerent, judgmental life. That doesn't mean you take to social media and you start every written battle you can dream of. No. That means you follow the king. You follow his word, that you're not ashamed of his word, that you share the word with love, with love to all the people that will listen, with love, not compromising, but not getting into these never-ending battles on a fake social media platform with fake people who have hardened hearts who don't want to hear the truth anyway. You boldly proclaim that you are a child of this king. A bold faith and love shows that we are confident in a real king, in a real kingdom, and I tell you what, my, fixa- my fixated hope is on a future kingdom. You see, that kind of faith, that kind of faith allows, allows us in our lives. That kind of faith allows us in our own lives when we want to compromise. 
when we want to do something that feels good or maybe just feels right at the time instead of doing what the king says, that kind of faith allows me to say, nope, I'm not doing it. That's not for me. My eyes are fixated on the king, on the future kingdom. That kind of faith is going to help you grow. It will help you live obediently. It will help you be bold for your king. I understand this world's not going to recognize him. That our governments, that our systems don't reflect his values. And I understand there's going to be a lot of people in this world that aren't going to like King Jesus. But he is the king, and he's going to be the king. And he is going to win not by an election, not by an opinion poll, not by popularity. He's going to win because he's already won. He's already defeated death. He's already defeated sin. Jesus is going to come down. He's going to walk up those stairs. He's going to sit on that throne because he can. Because he's powerful. I love what Proverbs 28, 1 says. It says, the wicked run. The wicked run when no one pursues them. But the righteous are as bold as lions. As bold as a lion. Do you understand what this principle was saying? It's saying when you understand your relationship with the king, when you understand your relationship with Jesus, the king of kings, there's nothing to fear anymore. There's no harm that can come upon you. If the king is for us, then nothing can stand against us. One of the things excluded from the new kingdom in Revelation, bottom line, there's not going to be cowards in the kingdom. And you know what? The boldness and courage of a real vibrant faith should start to grow in your heart now. Why? Because you should already be focused on the future. You should already be focused on the future kingdom and its future king, King Jesus. No one's going to be able to stand up to him in the future. You may be mocked, you may be made fun of, you may be criticized now, but no one will stand up to Jesus in the new kingdom. They can't. They'll be in awe. Their knees will buckle. His power, has his splendor, has his glory. I think it's hard for a lot of us to be lions today. I think, unfortunately, most of us live in fear. Our faith is a little bit weaker. It's lacking. We aren't bold. We focus on the things of this world and the current things around us. I understand. I, I struggle with all this. I, I focus so much on the current, all, all the things all around me. I have four kids. My life is always chaos. I'm a youth pastor. My life is always chaos. And sometimes I get so wrapped up in those problems. I get so wrapped up in the here and now that I forget to look forward to King Jesus. We need to learn. We need to learn to trust and focus on our King. To learn to trust and to focus on King Jesus. You see, our King deserves our allegiance. He deserves our obedience. He King deserves our honor and praise. He deserves our love. Not because we first loved him, but because he first loved us and he gave his life as a willing sacrifice so that we could be with him. That's my king. It's fitting today that we close out the series, The King. The king is the highest position of our earthly realm, the highest honor, the highest authority. And it's funny, I, I always, I like definitions. And so I, I went and I looked for the definition of king. And the first thing that popped up was not what I was looking for at all. The first thing that popped up said this. The most important chess piece, of which all player has one, which the opponent has to checkmate in order to win. The king can move in any direction, including diagonally into any adjacent square that is not attacked by its opponent's piece or pawn. 
This was obviously not the definition I was looking for, and, but I started thinking about it, and all the truth that I had for today, all the things I wanted to speak on today were tied up in that little definition. The most important chess piece. What's the most important chess piece in your life today? What's the most important king in your life today? A lot of us would want to say Jesus. A lot of us would want to say our faith, but the truth comes down to it. The things that are most important to us today are usually the things we spend the most time on, the most time doing, the most time thinking about, the things we spend our money on. What's your most important chess piece today? Next, each player has one. I got news for y'all. We're all serving a master. We're all serving a king. Which master are you serving? Which king are you serving? And you can only choose one. And there's only one that's going to rule forever. Like a giant board game, we're all trying to win. But if we lose completely, whether we win or whether we lose, completely depends on the, if, whether our king can get beat. I have news for you, Jesus can't be beat. In fact, he's beaten everything. And lastly, the king can move in any direction in our lives. Sideways, front, back, diagonal. He can, look for, he can go move forward to your future. He can move backwards, maybe a hurtful, painful past. He can move diagonal to a, to a plan for your life that you didn't plan, but he has planned. Are you letting your king move within your life like that? The king. Who's your king today? My king is real. My king is real. He's my present He's my past, but most importantly, my king is my future, my very real future. That's my king. I wonder if you know him. Pray with me. God, I thank you so much. I thank you so much today that you are our king, that we don't have to face the battles that you've already faced. You've already won. You deserve that highest place, that highest place of authority. God has given that to you. God, I ask you today that each one of our hearts are broken. Each one of our hearts today look to you and make you our king because you are our king, whether we make you our king or not. God, be with us, guide us. You are our king. In your name we pray, amen.